गाइस वेलकम बैक टू द वन टेक शो अ पॉडकास्ट वेयर वी सेलिब्रेट इनक्रेडिबल कन्वर्सेशन विद सम फेनोमेनल पीपल एंड दिस इज द 50th एपिसोड ऑफ द वन टेक शो व्हिच मींस दैट आई हैव स्पोकन टू 50 डिफरेंट पीपल ओवर अ पीरियड ऑफ 3 मंथ्स एंड आई डोंट नो इफ यू रियलाइज दिस और नॉट बट कन्वर्सेशंस कैन चेंज लाइफ आफ्टर स्पीकिंग टू 50 डिफरेंट पीपल लीडर्स एंड ल्यूमिनरीज इन देयर ओन रिस्पेक्टिव फील्ड्स एस्पेशली फ्रॉम लीगल फील्ड आई हैव स्पोकन टू सम ऑफ द स्टालवर्ड्स and i have realized that i have so much to learn and i have also learned so much already i have assimilated so much information so much perspective so many conversations have added value to my life and have given me so many possibilities to exploit and i truly believe and hope that these conversations through this platform will benefit as many students as many law students as it can it can add value to anyone who tunes into this podcast and listens to these episodes in this episode the 50th episode of the one take show i bring to you a conversation that is absolutely mind blowing i am in conversation with a very special guest our guest is miss vajanti vasanta mogli ma'am is a transgender rights activist being a transgender person herself she brings to us the first hand account of all the atrocities all the discrimination that happens in our society all the evils that plague our society today in this episode she talks about her journey she talks about the activism we'll talk about everything sex gender transsexual persons transgender persons we'll talk about the various legislations that she has managed to somehow modify in benefit of the transgender persons how she has been part of some of the most groundbreaking litigations we will also talk about how this pandemic is affecting the transgender persons in the worst possible manner if you like this conversation make sure you like share and subscribe to the channel if you like the podcast make sure you do subscribe to the channel because lot of viewers do not necessarily subscribe to the channel it just shows that you support the episodes you support the podcast and somehow do want to return to the channel again and again it's a very good validation for me you can always reach out to me and uh, let me know what else can be improved in the podcast this is a movement that has been created for the students by a law student and i truly believe that we all can benefit from this process and ladies and gentlemen without further ado Let's commence the fiftieth episode of the One Take Show. Coming right in. Hello, ma'am. Welcome to the One Take Show. This is a, a very important opportunity for every listener of the One Take Show to learn about issues and topics which are plaguing the society in general. And who better to learn this from but someone who has experienced them, who has fought them as an advocate, as an activist, who has raised these issues. Thank you so much for taking time off your really busy schedule and sitting down with me for this amazing conversation. Thank you, Kostu. I'm glad uh, we are talking. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, before we begin, uh, my first question to you off the bat would be that: What inspired you to stand up for the rights of LGBT uh, IQ community? What inspired you to advocate the issues that are plaguing the society in general? And how has your journey been thus far? Uh, well, I am a transgender woman myself. I'm a transgender person, so. Um, I've had to fight some of my own battles uh and my battles are not very different from the rest of those in the transgender communities or perhaps to an extent similar to the other members of the LGBTIQ communities uh and when there are so many similarities I wouldn't say they're identical but they're similar at some levels if not at all uh and collectivization brings in a certain strength most movements be it the freedom struggle of india or um the 
you know the abolition of the devadasi system or the anti caste movement most movements were uh, collectivized they weren't fought by any one or two people right. so it was just that mm-hmm. collectivized right and uh, with for the benefit of our viewers when we talk about a uh, transgender person if i ask you a very naive question for the basic clarification of a person in the socio political sense what and who is a transgender person and uh, there is often a confusion with intersex mm. persons and the constitutional mm. rights so awarded what is a transgender person and uh, how should we perceive this section of the society with respect to socio political situations okay um even before we uh, go there gender yeah. and biological sex are almost often conflated and these are not the same they're two separate things biological sex has the attributes um with which a person could be born genetically anatomically physiologically and so on hormonally and so on while gender is how a person envisions himself or herself for themselves and how mm-hmm. that person or a group of persons would like the society to identify them uh mm-hmm. now with this uh, as an axiom um we can deconstruct uh, some myths that neither gender nor biological sex are binary binary as you know is just two options male female and neither of these are binary now parking transgender persons for a short while uh, even within biological sex biological sex is itself not binary because the the uh, a baby could be born with a uh, possibility one no genitalia possibility two both genitalia possibility three fully formed genitalia of one sex and partly formed or uh, not fully formed genitalia of the other sex possibility for the child appears to be male and nobody or, or female nobody suspects any difference but the child may never attain puberty um may never get adolescent or despite attaining the age of adolescence no secondary sexual characteristics possibility five all of these happen but at some stage when that child grows up to be an adult wishes to procreate they are unable to procreate possibility five but these are just five possibilities there are many 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 more such mm-hmm. possibilities not because i'm not a biologist i'm just sharing things that are uh, that i know and there's so much that i don't know because biology is not my subject and we again mind you we're just talking about biological sex which itself is so diverse mm-hmm. ha huh. now if we were to come back to gender and who transgender persons are right transgender persons could be intersex that is they could be born mm-hmm. into bodies that are neither genetically anatomically male nor female mm-hmm. or may not be intersex not okay. all transgender persons are intersex mm-hmm. and not all intersex persons identify as transgender persons you know okay. somebody who looks as masculine as say anybody else if they were to be told at 25 or 26 that they are actually intersex i'm not sure if they would embrace the intersex and transgender identity having been socialized for 24 25 30 40 years into into a cisgender heterosexual social identity so as i said not all intersex people identify as transgender 
and not all transgender people are intersex. So who are these non-intersex transgender persons? And what makes us transgender? What is it by virtue of which we identify as transgender? Um, it's just not this one reason that I'm about to reveal, but this is one of the uh, overwhelming reasons. Uh, there are many other uh, reasons and causes. Um, the condition called uh, by virtue of which the body is mm -hmm. constantly rejected by the mind uh, and that condition which was earlier pathologized as gender identity disorder and since a few years and decades the World Health Organization has depathologized it. Pathology is the study of diseases and disorders. Mm -hmm. Earlier it was called gender identity disorder and now it's no longer gender identity disorder. Both the World Health Organization, it's ICD, International Classification of Diseases 11, as well as the Americans who follow the DSM, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, both of them have depathologized. It's no longer a disorder, it's just a difference. Like how for instance you are perhaps um, four or five or six stones fairer than I and it doesn't make sense for anybody to tell me uh, how dare you be so dark look at Costo he's so fair you should be ashamed of yourself for being five or six uh, shades darker than Costo it doesn't make sense because Costo mm -hmm. didn't earn his complexion yeah nor did I earn my complexion mm -hmm. so uh, so at in all of this, we must remember that biological sex and gender, while they both are different, are almost, are always assigned at birth. They're assigned at birth when children are born because a child doesn't know if mm -hmm. he, she, they are male or female. They're told, oh, you're male because your body is this, because your genitalia is this, because blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it isn't a problem if that child uh, aligns and um, identifies as well with that assigned gender. But it, it becomes a huge problem if that child does not align with that assigned gender and sex. So mm -hmm. such people who, not, who needn't be intersex, who could be intersex, who may not be intersex, but don't align and have a certain dysphoria with their assigned gender, uh, could identify as transgender persons. Right, right ma'am. And to that extent, my question to you would be that uh, with all of this issue that surrounds the so-called identity we we understand that this gender identity disorder which was previous up to very recently was perceived as a disease is now uh, been apologized for we see that this sort of normal uh, people might also be transgenders although i am not really sure what it means but we also talk about that transgender people do not necessarily need to be intersex people so all of this this conversation which perhaps is not being talked about much might be a breeding ground for let's say discrimination what is your opinion on the said causes of discrimination and what are the major discriminations that are being faced by transgender community in general um now as i even before i answer that let's go back to ask ourselves where do we see transgender persons in our day-to-day -day lives where do we see them or wherever uh, we may not see them every day, but if at all we see them, where do we often get to see transgender person? And somewhere in that answer lies the answer uh, to a great extent to the question you posed. Uh, we see transgender persons most of the time at railway stations, in trains, traffic signals, 
on the roads at market busy marketplaces and perhaps also at night all dolled up in makeup and doing sex work during the day they beg they seek arms and uh we also see them sometimes though not on a daily basis we also see them sometimes tra- see transgender persons sometimes at birthday parties at uh, cradle ceremonies naming ceremonies of newborn infants at weddings at engagement ceremonies auspicious and festive occasions and so on where where they come to bless and seek arms but such auspicious and festive occasions do not happen on a daily basis so on a m- more regular basis the the sources of livelihood the two predominant sources of livelihood are undeniably begging and sex work okay. and if bulk of the transgender community is dependent on begging and sex work and sometimes on seeking arms during auspicious and festive occasions mm-hmm. uh is i wonder if it is that invisible a problem to figure out where the discrimination is yeah because it's glaring staring and flagrantly screaming at us uh let's compare the transgender communities and transgender persons with where the women's rights movement or women were 70 80 years ago or 90 years ago before independence did we have as many women judges in the 1930s and 40s and even 50s and 60s and 70s to the best of my understanding the very first uh, woman supreme court judge was justice fatima bibi and i suppose i i could i hope i'm not wrong but i suppose the very first judge uh cj was uh um uh, justice leela sate uh who passed away recently he was part of justice varma panel um and there were barely any women in law there were barely any women ceos there were barely any women entrepreneurs they were there but they had to be people born into generational privilege born to some super privileged uh business family or a, born into a galaxy of lawyers and academicians and so on uh and i don't know ask any senior lawyer who's 80 years or 85 um at the somebody like the attorney general today he's a very senior person uh, ask such a such senior a person if there were any women lawyers in courts in the 50s and 60s and you know what the answer will be what the answer is so the transgender community to say uh, somewhere even behind that because 70 80 years ago i don't think bulk of the women in the women's rights movement were on the roads begging or doing sex work but that's the case today yet with transgender people despite six and a quarter years of the nalsa judgment mm-hmm. uh and um so i guess we are caught between the binaries and um uh, as transgender persons uh as queer and transgender persons we have often very very often and almost always uh, contested binaries be they of gender be they of opinion be they of ideologies right uh so mm-hmm. uh you see bulk of our humanity if you look at um the kinsey scale bulk of our humanity is considered 
bisexual or pansexual although social conditioning conditions children to accept cisgender homosexuality uh, has more acceptance over other any other form of gender and sexuality mm-hmm. um and so that bias of uh, uh building a hierarchy of which places cisgender ho- uh, heterosexuality my apologies mm-hmm. cisgender heterosexuality over and above all other forms of gender gender identities gender expressions and sexual orientations and sexualities is uh, dictated by say patriarchy dictated by classism dictated by casteism dictated by many other forms of social exclusions so uh, i think i've um, we you know this answers the question enough as to why there is discrimination is there discrimination so so i think this paints a very clear picture for anyone who would in any possible circumstances try and attempt to argue against it there is a blatant problem that is facing us in our in our society today one such uh, question that i would like to ask you here is that which really brings me uh, to a conversation where we as law students very particularly law students can actually relate uh, to you is that you've been a part of a lot of legis- uh, lot of litigations that have attempted to solve these issues that the transgender communities are facing i won't name the specific uh, writ petitions or those specific pis but there have been certain demands there have been certain requests for the courts to consider and uh, in the very recent one of them which i was reading and i previously discussed with you as well you've listed down certain requests uh with respect to the needs and the requirements of transgender persons especially in times of crisis so uh, how did you uh, start with litigation as a process and what exactly is the principle behind and what have you been asking requesting and demanding from the courts or the institutions that certain reliefs be provided to the transgender persons um so i never started with litigation it was never my first choice um it was more uh, it began with engaged engaging within communities understanding my own uh, understanding my own life journey the structural violations and monstrosities and social exclusions that i've suffered the discrimination i've faced and the discrimination exclusion and uh, violence that uh, pervades the transgender communities pervades the queer lgbtiq plus plus communities um and then uh, slowly uh, say about 10 years ago i began filing rtis under the right information act 2005 so right. that uh, i began collecting gathering information now what do you do with this information so part of which is descriptive uh, part of which is statistical as well because you get certain numbers and statistics so there's a lo- lot of scope to um, research and get insights out of such data uh, mm-hmm. apart from getting insights and writing research there's also a lot of scope to engage with the governments engage with governments both central and state to frame and for them to revisit their public policy and implementation of law uh, enforcement of law um so at times we have uh, we, we, i won't say that we consistently succeeded or most of the time succeeded because mm-hmm. uh, my experience and people can feel free to disagree is that governments are not consistently or most of the time that open to feedback i mean is something that most governments say but it's more of talk and very few governments walk the talk so uh from time to time when we get cornered uh, when when repeated feedback repeated representations over a period of time 
don't yield results um we escalate we um, go one level above two three four five six levels above and if even then if it doesn't yield results then what is the option than to litigate yeah so litigation right. is never my our first choice because it's one it there are costs involved two it's a long down process and if if things can get done without litigation that's always a better option through engagement through consultations and so on uh but um that hasn't unfortunately been the experience so beginning with the uh beginning my first um, pil was on the unox act telangana unox act 1919 of 1919 which is telangana unox act 1329f which was a uh archaic british law enacted 100 years ago in 1919 that used the word unox which is a very dehumanizing term all that it means is a all that it means is a castrated male body um and it gives sweeping powers to the police to arre- arrest any quote unquote eunuch without a warrant um okay. and to to display the names addresses and details of all eunuchs in the jurisdiction of a police station on the notice board um mm-hmm. with their details and allows the police to mandate that such uh i don't like the word eunuch so i will say quote unquote allow mm-hmm. such listed quote unquote you people uh, i mean people uh, listed as quote unquote eunuchs mm-hmm. to present themselves every week to the police station as though they are criminals out on bail so this was okay. a very archaic monstrous law that yet remained in the statute books although monstrous laws like these like the criminal tribes act were denotified long ago and mm-hmm. this wasn't denotified so okay. i challenged its constitutionality we held consultations uh, we gave uh, representations nothing came out of it we waited for about 9 months or 1 year nothing much came out of it it wasn't uh, abrogated or repudiated by the legislature or the government so then we went to court that was the first pil the second one was on the non implementation and nalsa judgment which nalsa judgment as you know was delivered in april 2014 and navtej was delivered in september 2018 four and a quarter years later four and a half years later and in telangana and many other states and even till date out of the 29 or 30 states i don't i think the 29 states and seven or nine union territories i'm not sure so out of those only about seven states have begun some work the rest of the 22 states are non starters and many of the union territories are non starters on the implementation of the nalsa judgment so we had to move a pil in the telangana high court because it's easier for me to deal with one state where i live and uh, uh and uh, uh the court issued uh into the orders that the government frame a policy uh very recently during covid as well many transgender persons have been severely affected because their traditional transgender livelihoods like begging and sex work are out of question now in the age of physical distancing i don't like the word social distancing because it mm-hmm. can sound very stigmatizing and it may end up reinforcing stigma mm-hmm. so in this age of physical distancing um we uh, many transgender persons are unable to uh, make ends meet so they need relief through prime minister garib uh, pradhan mantri garib kalyan yojana through many other schemes uh through the 
civil supplies departments of the respective states for them to get rations and dry supplies of food through the public distribution system. Uh, what we also noticed was that the police force was distributing rations. Now, it's not it's, it's always welcome, but it's really not the job of the police to distribute rations. And it's always done as a one-off or a two-off or a three-off gesture of goodwill. The police can never, I mean, they cannot take up on themselves the monthly public distribution system. You get what I mean. It can never yes. be a substitute. So mm -hmm. when we filed the PIL, the government said that the police have distributed the ration. Now, that cannot substitute. You know, over and above the public distribution system, it's absolutely okay for the police or NGOs or capitalists or anybody to distribute ration as a gesture of goodwill, which will be one, two, three, ten or fifty or hundred times gestures of goodwill. But they cannot be demanded as a right. You know, notice a citizen can go to his or her or their respective police station and demand rations from the SHO. Can they? They can't. Right? So, uh, the PDS had to be extended to transgender persons and we have sworn affidavits in the High Court where the state of Telangana, where state governments have said that bulk of the transgender communities are not covered in the public distribution system. So despite a Food Security Act which guarantees food security, bulk mm -hmm. of the transgender community is not even covered. Uh, to give you the numbers, uh, in the first sworn affidavits, the government said that We've covered uh, um, 2,175 transgender people, we've covered many transgender people and so on. If you mm -hmm. go back to 2011 census, when the state of Telangana was informed, it was a unified state of Andhra Pradesh and Telangana. The unified state itself had 43,000 transgender persons, assuming that half of them came to Telangana, which is 21,500, mm -hmm. or one third or one fourth, which could range from 15,000 to 20 to 21,500. Assuming mm -hmm. that it was 15, 2,175 is not even 50%, not even 25% of that. But after the formation of Telangana in 2014, NALSA was delivered, NALSA judgment was delivered in April 2014. Telangana was formed in May, June 2014, one and a half months later. We had a comprehensive integrated Telangana household survey. Telangana comprehensive integrated household survey, which was like a mini census within the state. And the government, when it submitted in the affidavit that they covered 2,175. We asked and the CJ asked as well, but this is the numerator. What about the denominator? When you say you've covered so many people, out of how many have you covered so many people is the more important question. So what's the denominator? And they gave a sworn affidavit where, and we had RTI responses that were filed in 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And we filed our RTI responses, the government gave sworn affidavits and take a wild guess what the overall population of transgender persons in Telangana is, was. And this is six-year-old data. The six-year-old data is 60,000 transgender persons. The 2,175 transgender persons is not 10%. 60,000, 10% is 6,000, 5% is 3,000. 2,175 is 3.6%. So 94.4% of, sorry, 90. 6.4% of transgender persons haven't even been covered by the public distribution system. So it is important, particularly in times of pandemic where people cannot, where people's mobility is majorly effect, affected, there's no public transport, 
there is there are no uh, there's no subsidized public transport there are no metros there are no buses transgender persons are, and communities are largely disenfranchised marginalized and vulnerable it is important to litigate it particularly now even more than before because people are dying people are dying of covid we only spoke of food security what about medicare and healthcare you know how the public health system is almost crumbled now i wouldn't say crumbling but it has crumbled we saw that happening in italy and they nationalized their private medicare but we haven't done anything like that in india so people are being turned away from hospitals despite having all the symptoms of covid people are testing negative on antigen and rt pcr tests but dying of pneumonia you know what you know there are enough and more cases being reported not necessarily of just transgender persons but in the so called quote unquote mainstream society So here we have transgender persons predominantly dependent on sex work predominantly immunocompromised with HIV mm-hmm. and with immunocompromised and immunodeficient and this could be a time bomb ticking away if even a small community like transgender persons imagine uh, imagine out of 60000 in transgender persons with mind you this is 6 year old data mm-hmm. even if half of them were to get infected yeah it would be a time bomb ticking away right so sure. uh it's just not about food security it's about healthcare medicare housing and all that right now we don't even have the bandwidth to think about it uh earlier we felt that uh communes and spaces that uh use space very uh, frugally that's apartment complexes are so smart because you know you go vertically upwards and you give more homes to more people but we also realize how uh what a multi-edged sword that is because people use common staircases common elevators uh and in slums in chawls in in ghettos like uh, uh what's that place in bombay dharavi mm-hmm. where where sanitation it's all public sanitation in the sense that one toilet is used by 10 or 20 or 50 families and such pandemics uh, just don't spread but they uh they they rage they rage like wild forest fires so uh i don't think it's just an issue of discrimination or exclusion it is discrimination and exclusion but there are structural monstrosities structural forms of uh, forms of structural violence that keep people out systems engineered to exclude and not to include wow i i almost felt uh, speechless the idea that this huge problem is not just persistent it is actually as you mentioned is a taking time bomb and only somehow reinforces the idea that we are not doing enough not enough is being talked about not enough is being discussed before i could even think of asking you anything else i have uh, that said petition in front of me and i see all those reliefs that you have sought uh with respect to trans communities we you mentioned the food security you mentioned uh the medical uh, medical security if i must say the uh, for example you mentioned here the hiv medications and uh, you've also mentioned here that the, the lpg cylinders something as basic and as necessary for household not being provided and as you have mentioned covid-19 has somehow dismantled this entire social construct that we have had and one of the most uh, worst one of the worst hit communities is transgender communities i just have one follow up question with when all of this happens and you see as you mentioned that there is a little to no response or less response from institutions 
what role can individuals like myself as a, a cis male if i may uh, de- uh, like identify myself uh, owing to the caveat that i still am not quite sure of all these uh, gender ideologies and the conversations that still need to happen a lot for me to learn but for a cis male person who is perhaps the most privileged person in this indian society how can said certain set persons make an effort to somehow contribute and somehow make situations better for uh, transgender persons communities uh that's a good question um um little drops may, uh do make an ocean yeah mm-hmm. at the same time while i say that we cannot boil the atlantic or the pacific ocean with a kerosene stove so within your circle of influence and circle of uh, concern and circle of influence mm-hmm. if people like you uh you you know you may not be a ceo you may not be the prime minister you may not be a chief minister but uh if you can um this year is going to be extremely difficult for transgender persons for persons with disabilities for acid attack survivors for women of repressed caste backgrounds like uh, the uh, manual scavenging dalit communities bonded labor communities migrant laborers it is a very difficult year the whole of this year and perhaps the next year too mm-hmm. so i think um if people can they should adopt temporarily adopt uh a few such persons um mm-hmm. in terms of their i'm not saying you um you know Uh, i'm not saying i mean if you can you should, you could do that but i i, I wouldn't mandate anything but mm-hmm. if you if people like you can uh every month for the whole of this year supply rations to say a minimum double digit figure minimum double digit figure is 10 persons so mm-hmm. that those 10 persons again look at people who are multiply marginalized because you see i am not as marginalized i have some education i speak english the way i do so mm-hmm. i'm not the average transgender person look at somebody who's the average transgender person who's struggling dependent on either begging or sex work who could be dalit who could be from a manual scavenging or a bonded labor background so there is a disenfranchisement vulnerability of caste class gender what if that person is a transgender person who's dalit with disability i have mm-hmm. such friends too the mm-hmm. government disability hostels are full of dalit friends dalit indians and some of them could be transgender or queer so look at such multiple marginalizations and multiple intersectional vulnerabilities see if you can adopt them for 6 months or 12 months and as you do that uh see if what aligns with their aspirations because you know it it's not fair to tell somebody who's who has no aspiration say you wanted to become uh, for instance you may have wanted to become a lawyer but to insist on and and to coerce you to becoming a doctor or a nurse or an engineer doesn't make is not fair to you and yeah, to the sure. education mm-hmm. so to figure out what their aspirations are uh and and then see if you can if we can equip them with skills in those aspirations that are sustainable baba sahib ambedkar firmly believed the architect of our constitution firmly believed that there is no empowerment without ownership without ownership of resources so personally what i have told myself see i'm not dalit nor am i savarna so i'm not a super privileged caste but i'm an obc caste so i haven't faced uh, i haven't faced tremendous or humongous caste discrimination but i failed my mild forms of it um so what i have uh, thought told myself is that if i can 
uh, enable, if I can, I won't even want to use the word enable because we're equal stakeholders. Mm -hmm. If I can work hand in hand with uh, my transgender friends who are multiply marginalized, intersectionally vulnerable, who are Dalit, who are persons with disabilities, HIV positive persons, and get them to, uh, there are some who are from the village background, yeah, who, who've done uh, farming as landless laborers. So if I can get if I can get them trained as organic farmers and get mm -hmm. them certified by the state and the central government, get them certified by two or three people and reverse engineer it backwards, wherein if people are now certified to be organic farmers, because you see the futures, much of the futures in organic farming, if we want to live cancer free, live free of liver, kidney diseases and so on. Yeah, because it's, it's back to basics, back to our ancestors, uh, pesticide free, plastic free farming. Yeah. So uh, if they can get certified, where will they grow this produce? They can't grow it in their flats or in their tenements, right? They will need land. So yes. we will need to reverse engineer that way. Look at these, look at these studios that our film uh, world has. They didn't purchase those acres and acres of that land. That land was taken by them on some paltry pittance of some 10 rupees an acre kind of a lease 60 years ago or 70 years ago and now they have become owners. So I don't think people privileged like me should subvert the system to become owners of vast stretches of land. Instead, we should help those at the end of the queue not to remain as laborers or as slaves, but to become owners of their own land where they cultivate uh, and where, where, they, 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 uh, uh, where there are microeconomies that they uh, nurture. Um, you see, the pandemic and the lockdown decimated my trust in the supply chain. I don't trust these supermarkets. The, I mean, you may feel free to disagree, but mm -hmm. somewhere I've simplified and decluttered my own understanding of life. If a person can cultivate his, her or their 10 or 20 different kinds of vegetables growing right in front of their eyes, being cultivated by them, 10 different kinds of fruits and say 10 different kinds of leafy vegetables, and spices, what more does that a person want? And you know, I don't think we need uh, air conditioning. It is not a need, it's not even a comfort. It's, it's a monstrous luxury that, that, that vitiates the environment, makes a hole in the ozone layer. So if we can go back to basics and live eco, in an eco-friendly way where we don't use plastic, don't use, um, we do not use um, uh, 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 air conditioners and we live, coexist with the environment, I don't think viruses would be our enemies. I think the average Indian farmer who tills the soil, sows the seed, plows and harvests is symbiotically existing and coexisting with a plethora of microbes and bacteria and viruses and symbiotically existing. I don't think we need to make such a monster out of COVID, mm -hmm. COVID-19. And we, we should just learn to build our immunities to live and let live and live harmoniously. So on that note, I mean, I can't advise you or anybody, but the way I've seen it is that I want to empower people, not just into getting jobs and becoming slaves in sweatshops and uh, uh, shop floors of sweatshops, but also make them become owners of their own land and resources, make them become entrepreneurs or social entrepreneurs which you see all human rights are interconnected uh, if lgbt rights are human rights if the rights of women are human rights uh, annihilation of caste and dalit rights are human rights black rights are human rights 
rights of persons with disabilities are human rights so the way i've envisioned it for myself is to take up one step at a time take up a mini project i can't boil the atlantic ocean with a kerosene stove i will just look at a minimum double digit figure of 10 people equip them train them get them certified and uh, um mm-hmm. you know for a lack of a better analogy uh, i i don't like to use religion but for a lack of a better analogy savitri who was supposed to be a a, a person in hindu mythology whose husband was dead and she wanted her husband's life back and he says the god of death says no you can't have his life back but you can ask for anything else so she very smartly and ethically says then then in which case let me ethically become a mother and he says okay fine become a mother and then you know she reverse engineers it and she says but then how would i become a mother ethically without my husband <laughs> so she gets yeah. her husband's life back so you see people if they get trained and certified where will they grow their agriculture they can't grow it in a room they will need an acre or two of land and that's yeah. how we could train skill certify people and equip them to write representations file rtis chase the government till they get land and become uh, social entrepreneurs perfect perfect i think there's a lot of things that we need to unpack that i think as a society as students specifically or as aspirants who are already working with the industry uh, which is the major chunk of my viewership is that we need to understand that these issues still plague the society and these issues very much do exist there is a lot that has been spoken there is a lot that has that has come out of this conversation that requires a lot of thinking i possibly need to go back to this conversation i need to uh, start forming my own opinion with a little more informed knowledge a little more deep reading and i need to quote in depth with respect to my perspectives and my understanding perhaps the principle behind the one take show why i go about interviewing the luminaries in the field who have actually tried creating a change and sort of can add value to the perspectives of all the students who tune into this podcast thank you so much for this absolutely amazing conversation do you have any closing remarks for our listeners um firstly i'm so not a luminary while many of your earlier speakers were definitely luminaries i forgot his name was he dushant dave no it wasn't dushant dave uh what's the name of that lawyer who uh, whose podcast uh, uh, went on air uh, uh, see, uh I, he's a very well mr sanjay hegde ah sanjay hegde so people like those like dushant dave and sanjay hegde and and say menka gurswami or uh, karuna nandi jena kothari uh who's the who's the lawyer who represented india in the international court of justice i forgot his name hari sarve hari these are luminaries i'm just a teeny weeny rti das rupay wali rti activist who my all my activism is around 10 rupees so i'm so not a luminary um thank you for <laughs> imagining me to be one but i'm sorry to bubble burst your bubble that i'm not but i think i i would very strongly disagree with you at that point the fact that uh, there is a scope for change and you are actually doing it there's a difference like you are uh, if paid pay an rti worth to be set set amount i still am not the person who's filing those rtis you are the person who's filing those rtis and there is a huge chunk of society that perhaps it starts taking action maybe at that front we can start del- somehow diluting this definition of who are luminaries but for the purposes of this podcast you most certainly are and the kind of conversation that you provided us is absolutely wonderful i had a wonderful time talking to you i hope you had a good time too thank you i did thank you ever so much for the opportunity all the best to you i hope uh, you become a very illustrious ethical lawyer of unimpeachable integrity and set very high standards and take ethics and integrity to a very new higher orbit well 
That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for this amazing conversation. The One Take Show is now available on 10 platforms. If you want to watch this conversation, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The One Take Show. Please consider rating this podcast if you use Apple Podcasts so that I can reach out to more and more people. If you have any suggestions and feedbacks, make sure you reach out to me. I would absolutely love that. And ladies and gentlemen, take care of yourselves. Stay strong. I'll see you next time.